You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. The Lord continually has brought me back. The Holy Spirit has brought me back actually to a word that I shared on the very first Sunday of this year. It wasn't the entire message, but it was a a word that the Lord had given me personally as we were moving into the new year. And as the Lord gave it to me, he spoke and he said, and this is a word for the church. Um, And when I shared that word back in January, I believe that it was very prophetic in nature. And by the same token... uh, some almost nine months later, uh, I believe that it has a, a prophetic value today. In other words, God didn't give a word on the first Sunday of January 2019, and it was only good for that day. But it really, what he was speaking to us is for a day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime. That this is something that we were supposed to be moving in. And the word that he shared can be very easily summarized in one simple word, and that word is more the word more. If we were to expound on that, it could be um, uh, spoken in a, in a short paragraph. And if you'll look at the screens, that paragraph's going to uh, appear here. This is the word that the Lord gave back in January. And um, I want, because I believe that it was prophetic in nature then and it's prophetic in nature now, I want to declare this word again today. And after I read it through, declare it, I want you to do the same. We're going to read it, declare it together. So this is the word. I'll do it myself first. We are not to settle for spiritual status quo. God is calling us to and has more for us. God is calling us to more understanding of him, more intimacy with him, more time with him, more conversations with him. God is calling us to an increased capacity of the heart as he continues to reveal himself to us. He is calling us to exponential spiritual growth. God is calling us to more. This entire word was about God calling us into more, a deeper and deeper and deeper relationship and understanding, spending more and more time with him. And that word is still relevant today. So I want you to declare it with me. Would you read it with me? Let's go. We are not to settle for spiritual status quo. God is calling us to and has more for us. God is calling us to more understanding of him, more intimacy with him, more time with him, more conversations with him. God is calling us to an increased capacity of the heart as he continues to reveal himself to us. He is calling us to exponential spiritual growth. God is calling us to more. God is calling us as a people to more. This shouldn't catch us by surprise because it's how we should live in our spiritual journey, that we understand that God is calling us to a deeper revelation of who he is. But there are times where God needs to remind us of this because we can get into the status quo. And God's saying, don't live in the status quo. I'm calling you to more. This morning, I want to revisit this word by looking to a story that's found in the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter. In fact, if you take your Bibles and turn to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, um, When you get there, I want you to hold your place there because it's going to be a little bit of time before I actually begin to draw out specific verses, but don't close up on that. So John chapter 11. Um, As we look to John chapter 11 today, what we're going to find is a story of Lazarus. And the story of Lazarus could be summed up this way. The story of Lazarus is a story of sickness. The story of Lazarus is a story of uh, death. 
And the story of Lazarus is a story of renewed life through Jesus Christ. And I want to say that again. I think it's very important as we work through this that we understand that when we look to the story of Lazarus, the story of Lazarus is a story of sickness. You cannot deny that there is sickness in the story. And the story of Lazarus is a story of death. We can't deny the fact that Lazarus dies in this story. But we celebrate the fact that the story of Lazarus is a story of new life because a man who died at Jesus' beck and call, Jesus calls out and speaks life to him and his life is renewed. He has the opportunity to experience life again. And I can only believe that as he experienced that life, he was experiencing more life than he'd ever had because of what Jesus had done for him. And he experienced this in a physical sense. His body was dying. His body died. And Jesus gave him a physical touch and he healed. Today, as we look to the story of Lazarus, I want us to look to it in the same light. I want us to look to it in the sense of it's a story of sickness. It's a story of death. It's a story of renewed life. But not today in a physical sense. But instead, I want us to take the truths of Lazarus, Lazarus and I want them to apply them to our hearts and to our minds to our spirit, to our soul, to our emotions, to our hopes, to our dreams, to our desires, to our expectations. I want us to apply it to those places, the very core of who we are that may have become sick and diseased because of things like anger and bitterness and envy and jealousy and fear, and anxiety, and worry, or any other circumstance or any other situation that might have opened the very core of our being up to uh, be, uh, becoming contaminated and becoming sick. And perhaps today, as you begin to think about that, that maybe for you, you, uh, you recognize that there are places in you that have become sick and diseased, and you feel like there are places that are dying, but maybe you feel like in you there are places that have already died because of what has transpired in your past or in your present circumstances. You feel like there is a part of you that has died. When Jesus learned that Lazarus was sick, he spoke, and his response was, this sickness is not a sickness unto death. This sickness is not a sickness unto death. And today, as I speak to you, I want to speak over you. I want to proclaim over you that in the same way that the sickness that Lazarus was experiencing was not a sickness unto death, that whatever might be going on in your heart, your mind, your emotions, your expectations, your dreams, your desires, your soul, your spirit, those areas that have become sick, diseased, possibly dying or have died, that Jesus would have you know today that this sickness is not a sickness unto death. This is not the end of your story. God has more for you. I'm going to say it again. This sickness that you're experiencing in your core of who you are, not your physical body, but in the core of who you are, it is not a sickness unto death. Jesus is speaking new life into those areas. Jesus is bringing renewal. 
I would believe that today is a marked day where you would even say that on this day, I experienced the renewal of life and I was able to walk away from, I experienced healing in my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit, my emotions, my hopes, my dreams, my desires. Those things that have been overtaken have been sickened by anxiety, worship, whatever, uh, not worship, uh, anxiety, yeah, worship would be good. You can tell I'm into this. Uh, the fear, whatever it might be, those things that have been contaminated that you would understand today that Jesus is saying this sickness is not a sickness unto death, but I am speaking life into you today. And that he would have us recognize that even in doing so, while he is doing it, that he is doing it for a greater purpose than us. That as he speaks that new life, as you are receiving that new life, that he is doing it so that more of his might and more of his power and more of his glory might be revealed to the world around us. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm going through something, when there's something going on in the core of me, I can't always hide it well. And the people around me are very aware And here's what I want to say. When I receive a touch from Jesus, the people around me know. And as you receive that infusion of new life, renewed life in you, people are going to notice and they're going to begin to ask you questions. And it's through that that Jesus receives more honor, more glory. His power is revealed. It's not just about us. There's an ultimate purpose in it. I want us to walk through the story of Jesus. of uh, Lazarus, um, it's longer than I want to read. So I'm going to talk you through it. And then we're going to go back and we're going to pull out some key verses. Uh, When we look to the story of Lazarus, we know there are four characters in the story. There are two sisters, Martha and Mary. There's a brother and his name is Lazarus. And then there's a friend and that friend happens to be Jesus. We know that that friendship was not an ordinary friendship. And we know this because when uh, the messenger came to Jesus to speak of Lazarus' sickness, he said, the one whom you love is sick. So we know from that that there was a depth of friendship that moved far beyond acquaintance. It wasn't a neighborhood friendship. Those, Those can be very deep. But there was something, there was a deep love in that relationship. Now, Uh, Jesus responded immediately, and I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, his response was, this sickness is not a sickness to death. The disciples, all who were around him that day, heard him say, this sickness that Lazarus is suffering is not a sickness unto death. Now, you would think with uh, such a deep friendship, so much love, and the fact that Lazarus is sick, that Jesus would drop everything that he's doing and immediately go to Lazarus so that he could speak that healing power to him so that he could be with his friend. But instead, Jesus decides to hang out where he is for two more days. The disciples thought that was great because they recognized that the last time that Jesus was in Bethany where Lazarus was, that they tried to kill him. So they didn't really want him to go at all. But two days later... Jesus does make his way to Bethany. And when he gets to Bethany, the first news that he hears is that Lazarus has died. I think about the disciples who were there when they heard Jesus say, this sickness is not a sickness to death. And now the first news that Jesus and the disciples hear is that Lazarus is dead. As Jesus continues to near uh, the home of Mary and Martha, Lazarus, Martha is the first sister to come out and greet him. 
And when she comes, it's one of those times we wish that not only could we read what it says, but we could hear. I, I, I would love to hear the tone that Martha spoke. You see, my interpretation is that she spoke out of confusion. She spoke out of disappointment. She spoke out of frustration. I can imagine her with her hand on her hip, looking at her friend Jesus and saying, Jesus, if you had have not waited, if you would have come immediately, our brother would still be alive. But she followed that up with a statement of faith. She said, but even now, I know that you could ask God and he'll give you what you ask. He moves on, and then Mary comes out to greet him. And interestingly enough, her greeting is the very same. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I can only believe that somehow there's been a conversation that's happened with Mary and Martha before Jesus ever arrived, and that was, the war, that was their conclusion. If Jesus had been here, he wouldn't be dead. I was pretty disappointed. That was the answer, and he didn't come, and now our brother's dead. And it's interesting, Mary didn't follow it up with any kind of faith statement. Um, Jesus moves on closer, and as he does, he comes upon the crowd of mourners. There's a great crowd of mourners, friends and family, people in the community. And Jesus immediately sees that they are overwhelmed, they are overtaken. Lazarus has had great impact, and so the mourning, the wailing, the loss is great. So much so that as Jesus looks on, it brings him to tears. And then he says, let's go to the tomb. When he gets to the tomb, he prays. And then he says, roll away the stone. Martha had an interesting response because her response was simply, roll away the stone. He's been dead for four days. If we roll away the stone, you're going to smell the stink. You're going to smell the odor. You're going to smell the stench of his death. It's interesting because that didn't stop Jesus, did it? They roll away the stone. Think about this. Jesus was not afraid of the stench, the stink, the odor of death. And the stone was rolled away. And Jesus walks up to the opening of that cave. And he speaks in a, an authoritative voice, a loud authoritative voice. And he says, Lazarus, come out. I think that there had to be complete silence in the crowd at that point. Complete silence. Waiting to see what was happening. Perhaps a whisper only for somebody to say, shh. And then suddenly, after the waiting, here's what they see. Lazarus comes to the opening of that tomb. He's alive. This man who was dead, Jesus has spoken and he's received the renewal of life. He's starting to live again. He still has his grave clothes on though. And because Jesus has more for him, he tells those around him, take the grave clothes off so he can walk about freely. Because he had more. I think that we could all agree that the story of Lazarus is a story of more simply because of the way it ends. A dead man was given the opportunity to live again because Jesus spoke new life. And while that in itself would be enough to prove the point of more, 
what happens is when we look throughout the story, we see that the story is threaded with more at every aspect. Um, look in your Bibles at chapter 11. Let me just pull out some verses for you. In verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Why did he say it? Because Jesus had more. Then drop down to verse 11. After he had said this, he went out to t on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Why did he say this? Because Jesus had more for Lazarus. And then look at verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Why did he say this? Because Jesus had more for Lazarus. And then we look in verse 39. Take away the stone, he said. Why did he say it? Because Jesus had more for Lazarus. And then he says, and then the words, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Why? Because Jesus had more. And then in verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Why? Because Jesus had more. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Why did he say it? Because Jesus had more for Lazarus. There was so much more. I know that I've already said this. But I don't feel that I can say it enough this morning, so I'm going to say it again. In the same way that Jesus spoke renewed life into the dead body of Lazarus, Jesus wants to, Jesus is speaking new life, renewed life in those places in you that are sick, that are diseased, that are dying, that have died. Jesus is a resurrection Jesus. And Jesus, the resurrection of life, is speaking that new life into you today. I believe that this is a marked day that should not be taken lightly. So with that, I will confess to you that I, I have areas in my life, and I, I, they're, they're sick, they're diseased. Because I've, in the past, there, there, there are some situations where I've let... Uh, whether it be bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or whatever, I've let it contaminate me. And though the healing process has been working, I recognize that there are still some areas in me that are still sick and diseased. And that I need, I personally need the complete renewed life that Jesus has to offer. And this morning, I don't think that you're much different than me. I think for everybody in the room, you can look back to your past or you can look in your present and you can identify some area of your life and you say, that's not as healthy as it should be. That's sick. There's disease there. And today I want the new life that Jesus has. I want to receive the healing in full. And so with that, I'd like for you to take just a moment quietly at your seat. So just take a moment and identify what those areas might be. I believe that most, if not all, identified some area. And it's with that that we'll just pull now some, some truths from the story of Lazarus that we can take and apply to this thought of more and the new life that Jesus wants to speak into us. And so when we begin to look back through the story, uh, again, we recall that in verse 4, the early part, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. This sickness will not end in death. But the truth of the matter is Lazarus died. 
I mean, we can't deny it's, 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 it's there. When he got there, he got news that Lazarus had died. What's up with that? And so we go back to the original language. And if we go back to the original language, what we find is that for Jesus to say that la- this sickness will not end in, a, end in death, it would be the equivalent of Jesus saying, Lazarus will not remain in death. Lazarus will not remain in death. Jesus never said he wouldn't die. He said that the sickness, it, it, it won't end in death. And we see that Lazarus was raised. So it didn't end in death. It ended in life. And as I was thinking through this, it caused me to think. It caused me to wonder. Um, it caused me to believe. Uh, could it be that there are times in our lives where something actually needs to die so we can experience the more that Jesus has for us? Are there times where we're holding on to, we're fighting for something that uh, needs to die and we're not letting it die. We're breathing life into it instead of letting Jesus breathe new life into us by letting that die. I want you to turn over just a couple of pages, should be a couple of pages in your Bible to uh, John chapter 12. I want you to look at verse 24. Verse 24, it says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. To me, that sounds like multiplication. That sounds like that there are times that a death is necessary for new life to happen. Death was necessary for Jesus so that we can experience new life in Christ, right? And in our lives, there are times where there are things that need to die. Listen, I would say this morning, you need to know that your current situation does not define you. Your current situation does not define you. But God will use it to bring more into your life. Your current situation is not your story. It's just a chapter in your story. But you may very well find that in that chapter, that chapter involves the death of something so that you can experience the renewed life in the future chapters of your life. So that you can have life and life to the fullest. We look at the latter part of uh, verse 4. Jesus has said in the early part, the sickness will not end in death. In the latter part, it says, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And here's what I want to say. There is no selfish gain in God's more. God's more in our lives has much more to do than just about us. That any work that God does in our lives is about revealing his power, his might, his glory. And that's why I say there is no selfish gain. God wants to do more in us so others can see more of him. You see what happens when you experience this renewed life on an ongoing basis, people begin to see that and they begin to ask you questions and then you get to say, it's all because of Jesus. And you reveal his glory and his might and his power when you do that. In verse 6, We read that, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Um, Jesus wasn't overcome by anxiety about uh, the sickness or the disease. He, He didn't drop everything because he was working a plan. 
He, he knew. He knew the plan. He knew what he was doing. He knew the timing. His, per, his timing is perfect. He wasn't, over, he wasn't concerned about, oh no, if I don't hurry and get there, this is the end. I'll miss my opportunity. He knew what he was doing in his foreknowledge. He knew that he would hear that Lazarus had died and that he would go and he would speak new life into him and he would experience that new life. So often, you and I, uh, we, we, we get upset, we get overwhelmed about timing and the plan when the plan's not the plan that we would work or when God doesn't work out his plan and the timing that we should. And here's what we need to know. God is not overwhelmed about the plan and the timing of our life, so neither should we be. He's got it under control. God has more for you, but it's according to the foreknowledge of his plan and his timing. He's working it out for his glory. In verses 21 and 32, it's where we find the responses of the sisters. If you had have been here, my brother would not have died. And I truly believe, I might be wrong, but I truly believe that when they spoke this, there had to be some degree of disappointment. There had to be some degree of frustration because it had not worked out like they felt it should in the timing that they felt it should. They would have chosen a different plan. It just wasn't going according to the plan that they had. You know, if we're honest, oftentimes we find ourselves disappointed because God doesn't work it out the way we think he should in the time he should. And we, you know, in God's plan, it's plan A. And we say, I, I vote for plan B or C. I don't like plan A. And you're not, you're not quick enough. Um, and I, listen, I think that we have to admit that there are times where disappointments come. And I think that it's actually okay to say, God, I am disappointed. I thought that this was going to turn out differently. Or I thought you were going to work this out in a different manner. I think it's perfectly okay to be honest with God. But in your honesty, you have to be careful not to let your disappointment overwhelm your faith. Because it's faith in him that he's working out this plan and that he has perfect timing. It's faith in that that causes us to know that he is working, he will continue to work, he will always work, and he will work it out for our good and for his good. Don't let your disappointment overwhelm your faith. God has more for us in spite of our disappointments and according to our faith. In verse 39, it's where he said, take away the stone. And Mary, uh, Martha responds, but Lord, he's, he's been there four days and there's a stench, there's an odor. And I got to tell you, this, this caught me so much when I was studying this passage. Um, I think that so often in our lives, when we look to our past or even our current situations, we recognize our sin. We recognize where we've missed the mark. We recognize where we've made decisions that didn't turn out so good. And we see those and we smell the stench, the odor that are the consequences of those decisions that we've made. And I think that as we smell that stench, as we imagine that stench, that odor, we imagine that it smells so bad, why would God have anything to do with it? And we have proof here that Jesus was not taken back by the stench of death. And Jesus is not taken by, back by the stench of death from your past decisions. Jesus is not taken back by the odor that comes from the consequences of your, your sin over the past, decisions that you've made. He's not overwhelmed. Instead, he's saying, roll away the stone because I have more for you. I want you to walk in this freedom. We just have to let him do what he wants to do. God has more for you in spite of the stench of the past 
or your present circumstances. And finally, in verse 44, he said, take off the grave clothes. Let him go. He, he wanted him to take off the grave clothes so he could walk about freely. Through the work of the cross, through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been given freedom. We walk in freedom. Freedom over sin and freedom over death. Even though that's true, so often we walk around with grave clothes on. We don't walk in the fullness of the freedom that has already been provided for us. And today the word that the Lord would speak is take off your grave clothes. Don't walk around like you're dead and dying, but instead walk in the fullness of the renewed life that Jesus Christ has already given for you, provided for you through the finished work of the cross. It's yours. You take it and you apply it to your life. Take off the grave clothes. I think that the word to the Lord to us today is, is actually, if you boil it down, it's pretty simple. God's not finished. God's still working. God is a God of more. And God has provided for you renewed life in the sick, diseased, dying, dead places of your life. You, you don't have to live as a corpse. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus Christ the Son has already set us free. And the work that the Lord wants to do into you today is to bring you into a new, to bring us into a new place of freedom. But we have our part to do. We have to cooperate with that. We have to take off the grave clothes. And so my question today is, are you willing to take off the grave clothes? Are you willing? Would you stand? I want to pray for you. I want to let you know that we'll have prayer teams here after service. If there's something you feel you just need to walk through, you need somebody to talk you through, there'll be people here after service available to pray for you. Father God, thank you that you're a God of more. And thank you that that word still pertains to us today. And thank you that you're working it out. Father God, I pray that you would help us to be willing to offer those sick places, those diseased places, those dying places, those dead places to you so that we can receive the fullness of life that you have already provided through the finished work of the cross. Help us to be a people who will take off the grave clothes and walk in freedom, freely walking about because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Jesus, you have set us free from sin and from death. You've given us your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to empower us, to lead us, to guide us so we can walk about freely experiencing more. I pray that you work this in us today. May this be a marked day. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.